Hey, what's up? This is Chris from Three Doors Down, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Um, I'm Ben Breach from Asking Alexandria, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. What's up, everybody? This is Sully Erna, and you are tuned into Iron City Rock. What's up, minions? This is Fang von Rathenstein, lead singer of the most metal band on earth, the Lords of the Trident. And after a long day of pillaging and uh, slaying and sharpening my axes, I like to relax by the fire and listen to the Iron City Rocks podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 228 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music talk on the net. Episode 228, we are joined by Chris Henderson of the band Three Doors Down, who uh, obviously rose to considerable fame and, and despite very tough economic times for record sales, uh, managed to amass a great deal of success in the 2000s. Uh, they're going to be doing a tour, uh, kind of a stripped-down sort of acoustic tour. Uh, going to be stopping in my area in Pittsburgh on Valentine's Day to do a show. So we had an opportunity to talk to Chris about what the show is going to be like, what's going on with the band, uh, the band's history, uh, and some pretty cool stories he shares for um, anybody who's a Rush fan out there. You can enjoy uh, some of his stories as well. So let's get a little taste of Three Doors Down, and then we're going to go in the interview with Chris Henderson. Three doors down, we have Chris Henderson. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing just fine, man. Fantastic. Uh, first, my condolences on on the Saints uh, getting knocked out. Uh, we we feel yeah. your we, we feel your pain. I know you do, man. It was all about San Diego that day. What was it? What was up with that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that and the backups from the Kansas City Chiefs, but we'll we'll, we'll leave that discussion for another day. I hear you. But, uh, hey, uh, you guys are coming into the uh, Carnegie Library in Pittsburgh on, actually on Valentine's Day to do a show, uh, in the tours being dubbed Songs from the B- Basement. You want to talk a little bit about what, you know, a fan of Three Doors Down, somebody who may have seen you before, can expect that might be a little different this time around? Yeah, it's going to be different because of, you know, um, not, not only are we playing songs from the beginning of our career, but we're playing in the way that they were written, and... If anyone that's ever recorded a song before with, you know, with a producer or you know, in a studio, they tend to change. Not only does the song itself change, but some of the structures will change and mm-hmm. the feel 
and um, and there's key changes and all these different things that happen when you go record them. And um, when you play them acoustic, it brings them back to the to the point that they were written in. So it's almost like deconstructing the song back to its infancy. Mm-hmm. And that's what fans can expect. They can expect they can expect to hear the same songs, but the way that they were written. And a lot of them, uh, you know. Guys, I got some different flavors happening, so it's pretty cool, and and they sound really good acoustic, so that's that's always nice. Yeah. Now, do you guys have to kind of go back to the woodshed with, with some of these to kind of remember, you know, pull out the old Tascam four track and remember how you how you wrote them? I mean, that's been you know some of the songs are going to be pushing fourteen, fifteen years old at this point. Yeah, in some instances, you got to go back and almost relearn them. Um, it's it's kind of it's, it's part of developing. Is mm-hmm. You write a song and then you develop into something else and then you write another song and you develop and then, you know, you kind of go, you go three or four stages past that. Sure. In songwriting and you have to kind of go back and revisit it a little bit. And then, but it opens your eyes, man, wakes you up and lets you know how good you were back then. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Is it, is it kind of help, help? I mean, you guys have had, you know, you were blessed with a, you know, six times platinum album, you know, right out of the chute. Um, and obviously there's songs from that album, you know, the first two records in particular that you're not going to be able to take out of your set list. But does it help make it a little more fun as musicians to kind of, you know, take these songs and dissect them and do them a little different to keep it a little fresh? Yeah, man, it's actually really cool. It actually helps you learn the songs a little better the other way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, you know, you learn them as far as like being rocked up and electric because right. the parts change. From an acoustic guitar to the electric guitar, because of the, um, I call it the flow value of, of of an electric guitar. It's forgiving. The acoustic is not. It's yeah. really hard to play. Um, and and so you have to kind of, you kind of kind of got to be on your p's and q's. So it basically it makes you a more technical, polished player to play on the acoustic guitar. Yeah, I, I have to say, as a you know, as a guitar player, it is kind of a risk, you know, because you, you're, you're definitely right. You can do a lot with delay and distortion and you know the right amount of reverb can make you know a hack like me sound pretty good but you you take away all that stuff and you know you you got an acoustic um there's not there a lo- not a lot of wiggle room it's like being naked almost um almost. so um as far as gear i I'm, play uh, i play taylor but um on this okay. tour i'm using prs hollow bodies oh okay yeah um it makes the uh day in day out playing and and Chet other guitar player is playing the full acoustic guitar okay and then yeah. so my, I'm playing an acoustic guitar as well but it, it, it also has a uh, it also has a DI in it okay now do you guys go through um, I mean do you kind of go direct to the PA system and mic these or, or do you have like a like a rig a specific acoustic rig for your guitars no, no, no. Just go straight to the PA, man. What you hear is what you get. So, yeah, that's as, as naked as you can be, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that kind of oh, yeah. Stuff. I'm, a, I'm a firm proponent of not using delay. I don't use delay or any or any effects on my guitars. I never have. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wood and tubes, and uh, so the acoustic guitar I'm just coming directly out of that guitar. So you're sure. the actual PRS, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, you've been with, with PRS for a while now, correct? Yeah, man, I can't say anything bad about that company at all. They've been really, really, really good to my band and me. Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, you used to play like a three humbucker model, correct? And your newer ones only have two, is that correct? Yeah, I had a signal. I had two signature uh, Chris Henderson model guitars. Uh, okay. But the triple pickup one um, was the first one, and they discontinued that, and then uh, I went into the FC 250 for a couple of years, and then that was my signature for a couple of years, and um 
and they've discontinued that one too. So now they're with a ton of money. It's really cool. Yeah, that is. Uh, are you a, an active pickup or a, do you use passive? Passive. Passive pickups. Yeah, that, that's a. They do make a fantastic product, and yours are made, if I'm not mistaken, in the United States, correct? Yeah, that was the thing because I wouldn't. Uh, I didn't want to farm them out to Korea, and that was my deal. I didn't care. When I did my deal with PRS, my my thing was to not go outside the United States mm-hmm. manufacturing, and uh, I didn't care how much they cost. I didn't care who bought them. I didn't care if I sold a single guitar. My deal was is when I'm 60 years old, I want this to be a quality instrument. I wanted to be. I wanted to grow old gracefully. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be. You know, I wanted to be the same. I wanted to be a. You know, a CNC machine piece of crap and. Uh, Come to find out, PRS doesn't really make any any crap, which is really refreshing. But it was important to me to have it made in the USA. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I can, I have to to say, as as an owner of an SE, that even the even the offshore ones are made with very exacting quality as well, which is refreshing. They're really good guitars. Yeah, they're really good guitars. Yeah, it's it's, it's great to see that the the quality instilled even in the offshore lines is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have to ask, you know, going back a while, but um, you guys worked with Alex Lifeston um, early on. How did that come to be? If you, if you don't mind indulging me on that question, how did, how did that be, and how intimidating was that? As you know, that early in your career, man. I tell you what, dude. I've been a huge Rush fan, and and I'll set I'll set the answer to this question up with just a little story, if I got mm-hmm. a second. Absolutely. Um, I was uh, dating this girl, and we were engaged, and we had been engaged for like three years, just getting ready to get married, and all of a sudden, the relationship just kind of went through the dogs, and she broke up with me, um, and, we're, you know, whatever, who broke up with who, that doesn't matter, but either way, you know, the the um, the bad part of the breakup had set in, and it was one of those days, and I remember putting in Rush Chronicles in my truck, and I rode around for like six days and listened to Rush Chronicles, and when I got done, I was over it. I was over the relationship and I was ready to start new. It took, you know, it took a, it took about a week, but I did it with that band. And two years later, when uh, when when Three Doors Down got signed, this mm-hmm. opportunity to work with Alex Lyson came up, and I can't tell you how excited I was to meet him. And you know, he was coming to Escatawpa, Mississippi, where we're from, it's a city of eighteen hundred people, to where mm-hmm. we practice. And uh, he was going to do pre-production with three of our songs, and then we were going to go to New Orleans and go to Cash Money Studios and. Uh, American Sector Studios and record this thing. So imagine, you know, it is a dream come true for me. Yeah, I can't and, uh, imagine that. It was crazy, man. It was crazy. So I walked into our rehearsal space and there was Alex Lyson already there and he had my guitar, my Les Paul at the time I was playing mm-hmm. Gibson. And he had my amp on 10 and he was raking my guitar down the mic stand, making it do all kinds of crazy things. And that was my first, you know, when I first set eyes on him, that's what he was doing. And, uh, you know, me and him became friends over the years and shared a lot of experiences and, and um have you know really you know talk music and have become become friends it's really cool is is he as humorous in person is you know i think he's kind of the you know the the probably the most uh, i don't want to say the most mysterious cuz i think all of them have kind of a persona of, of a little bit uh, of mystery behind the guys in rush but is he as funny as he comes off in some of the videos he's a very funny guy man he's really outgoing and um full of personality and full of wit a very good sense of humor, really smart guy, mm-hmm. of course a great musician. He's a really, really uh has a lot of um has a lot of culture. Yeah. You know, you know, and you know Canadians a lot of them do, but but he in particular, you know, he's really um he's really into wine and he's really into art and you know, he's a refreshing guy to be around. It makes yeah. you feel smart when you talk to him. <laughs> Excellent. Now um 
you know, looking back, you guys have sold, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 12 million albums in a time, uh, you know, sadly, the record industry has kind of gone in the, in the toilet over the course of your career, you know, but I mean, to say that you've been able to do that in that span is nothing short of amazing. I mean, what what is the next step for Three Doors Down? I mean, do you guys have kind of a, you know, five-year plan for what the band's going to do, or do you just kind of take it album by album at this point? I think we're going to go album by album and see what happens. Um, just kind of, kind of, we're going to go, we're going to do another record this year mm-hmm. and go out and tour, you know, and continue doing what we do and try to have as much fun as we possibly can. Yeah, and which actually... Obviously, the formula is working, and, and we'll see you guys when you come in on Valentine's Day. Uh, you'll be doing the uh, Carnegie Library in Oakland for the uh, songs from the basement. Chris, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate it, and we'll see you when you get here. Bye, man. Thank you. All right, a big thanks to Chris Henderson. Again, they're going to be in Pittsburgh on February 14th doing a Valentine's Day show at the Carnegie. Uh, you can find information at ironcityrocks.com. You can check out our website all the time for concert dates and information of things going on. It's ironcityrocks.com, facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks, or check us out on twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. If you're in the sound of my voice, there's still a chance for you to enter to win tickets to see that show. Go to our Facebook page and look for the link to our fifth anniversary ticket giveaway. Hard to believe it's been five years since Iron City Rock made its debut 226 episodes ago or whatever it was. Uh, so we're giving away 30 pairs of concert tickets. Uh, there's a list of shows you can register to win tickets for, and we will pull names out four days in advance of the show. We'll leave the tickets at Wilco for you, and you can have a great time on us to celebrate the anniversary. So, again, Three Doors Down is one of those tickets uh, you can win. Get a pair for free. Got some other great shows, Rick Springfield, uh, Iced Earth. Uh, just to name a few of the shows that are on the list there. So we're going to switch gears, do a complete 180 from Three Doors Down to a band called Lords of Trident, uh, kind of an up-and-coming band that Aaron had an opportunity to talk to. Uh, you can check them out, Lords of Trident. That's T-R-I-D-E-N-T. There's a track for them called Plan of Attack, and then we're going to get into interview Aaron did with them as
Ladies and gentlemen, on the show tonight, I have Fang Von Rathenstein of the band Lords of the Trident. So, Fang, how are you doing tonight, man? Very, very good. Very good. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for being here tonight. So, well, it, we're here tonight to talk about like your latest release, Plan of Attack, but let's talk about your sound. Let's, let's talk about the sound of the band. So, for our listeners who are not familiar with you guys, how would you describe yourselves? Well, you know, for the unworthy minions out there who've never heard of, of, of Lords of the Trident, you know, it's, it's all right. I understand. Uh, we're, we're trying to, you know, we're like metal missionaries. We're trying to bring metal to the masses. So if you haven't heard of us yet, you soon will, essentially. Uh, and, and in terms of our sound, you know, it's, it's a difficult sound to describe. But if I really had to kind of, you know, put it into a description, you know, take, take the thunderous hooves of a thousand battle horses charging down a hill, uh, add with that the groan and screams of, of men ready to die in battle and the, and the clashing of swords uh, as they run you know, towards the battlements. Then add in some sweep-picking guitar, and, uh, and you pretty much got it right there. Uh, you know, in terms of, of mortal bands that we've been we've been uh, compared to, uh, you know, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, uh, Sabotage. Uh, we like we you know we we go a little bit more of a modern feel too. We have you know the the guitars are a little more down tuned. So so you know it's it's a little bit more of a modern uh, slant on the on what some people call classic metal, traditional metal, that kind of thing. Oh, see, and I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't want to want to say classic metal. I just want to call it pure metal. It's kind of like when I look at rock and roll. Like people, you know, will call ACDC classic rock, and it's it's not classic. That's rock and roll, and it's evolved. And you guys were the evolution from rock into metal, and that's that's the sound. I mean, it's it's just pure metal. It's not metal core. It's not rap core. It's not whatever other splinter of metal is out there right now. You guys are pure metal. You've got solid guitar harmonies. You've got solid vocal harmonies. You can actually sing and really hit some crazy notes. Um, so, well, you're going to make a barbarian blush here. I'm telling you. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's that's what you guys do. This is this is pure metal. And and the thing I, I loved when I'm reading the bio, what what cracked me up, especially because I am a huge fan of this band, and I just talked to Ross the Boss not too long ago. But was uh, when you said that men were knocked on the door to turn it down. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, it, we we used to we used to actually uh, uh, pra- we rented out a practice suite uh, across the uh, you know across the way from Manowar and uh, and yeah, uh, Rossi. Uh, I like to you know that's, that's my little pet name for him. Rossi came by and, he, and you know he and the other guys and and he was like he's like guys, it's the middle of the night. It's way too loud. Can you please turn down your amps? And we look at them. And, you know, we're like really. Really? All right, fine. Loudest band on earth. Go back to bed, pussies. <laughs> so <laughs> that's awesome. Now let's let's talk about the image here. So so you guys are more than just a sound. You're also a very visual band as well. So could you describe that for our audience? Well, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, many bands out there, um, I guess, are afraid to to really play in in full sets of armor but we're we're a band that is not uh and and for good reason we uh you know constantly have to uh have to fight other people in terms of you know swords daggers arrows we're constantly getting knives thrown at us mid-set i mean there's a reason we all wear our armor pretty much 24 7 uh not to mention that you know it's it's pretty much our daily wear it's what we're the most comfortable in people call it quote-unquote costumes and things like that, uh, and and that's you know the first interview we did. It's just like I, I just didn't even know how to respond to that. I don't understand it. It's, it's not a costume, you know, to us. This is you know this is what a barbarian wears, my friend. 
uh, especially when you're on, you know, under constant attack. You have to be ready for anything at any time. Really, the only time that we take off our armor uh, is when we're trying to sneak out of, of the green room after this after the show, because you know, just just like normal, we have uh, a pretty large group of of maidens, you know, clamoring uh, to be sexed. So it's it's a you know it's a difficult. It's a difficult thing to to escape with the armor on. They'll recognize you instantly. So we skip into, or we kind of put into our uh, uh, put our, our our quote unquote Clark Kent's on, you know, our normal clothes, and then we we sneak out. Uh, and then once we're in the trailer, of course, we throw the armor back on. So, uh, but yeah, we uh, uh, for me um, and the people who are visiting the website uh, and check, checking out the bio pictures probably uh, won't see this yet unless they check out. Um, some recent photos on our Facebook, but I actually bought not too recently, uh, uh, not or, you know, not not very uh, long time ago. There, I, I bought a uh, um, a brand new set of of leather armor. Very 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 proud of it. Um, it deflects arrows as well as small daggers very very well. Um, <laughs> And uh, and so that's what I wear, uh, along with, of course, you know, some leather pants uh, and a and a uh, a knight uh, in a, a knight's head made out of steel uh, cod piece, uh, of course, you know, where the the, uh, the 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 front of the helmet lifts up to reveal a skeleton. You can't really see that too too well in a lot of our our, our pictures, but I assure you, uh, it is there. And um, in terms of our other members of the band, Kilius Maximus. Um, he's uh, you know he's from Rome. He he was in the gladiator circuit for a while, so he wears his gladiator armor. Um, and uh, you know he a lot of people have said to us, well, you know, isn't aren't his legs you know exposed to attack? And to that, I would answer, you know, take one look at the musculature of those legs, and then try to try to jam a sword through that. You're not going to be able to, you know, that's that's like legs of steel right there. Um, so our our other lead guitarist, uh, Asian Metal. Uh, he uh, he's from Japan. Uh, he of course wears the you know the samurai outfit uh, of his people. Uh, and uh, who am I forgetting? Oh yes, Sledge Garat, our wonderful uh, drummer. Uh, he is uh, head of the Executioner's Guild, so he wears his <laughs> his executioner costume. Obviously, uh, I like to call it a costume because it's got. Oh, this is great. Um, we just opened with, uh, for Halloween, and Halloween. <laughs> One of the Halloween guys came out uh, and saw Sledge, uh, you know, in his armor, which he promptly called the costume. And then he, <laughs> this was, he he looked at us and he looked at him, and he and he kind of, you know, uh, ducked down to Sledge because Sledge is a, is a, he's a, he's a smaller uh, uh, executioner in terms of height. Uh, and he said, "So tell me, what does your sexual partner think of all the leather and the chains and the whips that you guys have?" <laughs> we were laughing so hard that we, you know, it was, yeah, we we had to hold back Sledge from from killing the guy. So, but <laughs> it was great. And then last but last but not least, uh, you know, we have our our head priest of death, uh, Pontifex Mortis, who of course wears his uh, his magical cloak. Um, I don't know if he prefers it to be called magical. Or, or more like you know, death powers. I don't know. It was given to him by death himself, so I'm not really exactly sure the terminology. You know, a lot of those guys, those, those priests of death, they all speak in kind of like backwards uh, Black Sabbath lyrics, anyway. So it's 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 just difficult to understand, you know. So I like the fact that the band is multinational in your barbarianism. You don't just you know pull for one particular sect of barbarians here. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they're, they're all they're representative. Absurd. 
there are pure metal warriors all over the world uh, in all you know shapes and colors. We're very you know very multinational, uh, which which sometimes makes it difficult to understand each other. But it's really the it's really the power of music that just comes through and allows us to speak in a common language. And that's when the more you know sign comes across the you know the screen. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like like the blood sport of metal bands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's you know nice. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so well, let, let's talk about the tour, because the one thing that I would really like to see is see you guys live. So you've got a couple albums out now. You've got the latest project, like we mentioned at the top of the show, Plan of Attack. Mm-hmm. Um, this just just released this year. So um, what, what, shor- what t- I guess, shows and tours do you have planned coming up here? Well, you know, we actually just got off of a tour um, not too long ago. We went out uh, to Pittsburgh and back. We, we're currently, you know, our, our, our practice space is currently 13 miles beneath the Earth's crust right above Madison, Wisconsin. Um, it just kind of worked out geologically that way. Uh, it wasn't really a, an, uh, a conscious choice for any of us, but, you know, so... Um, so we've been so we moved from from Madison, Wisconsin, all the way to uh, to Pittsburgh and back. Or you know we were we were planning on making it out to Pittsburgh uh, until we encountered you know the the hilly coal filled anus, which is uh, rural West Virginia, <laughs> uh, which took you know our Trident mobile took quite a beating uh, in in that in that area, and and it actually broke down. Um, amongst the hills and trees of, of uh, Appalachia, I guess. I don't know what it is exactly, but, but uh, you know, there was... Uh, let's just say that, you know, the, the amount of swords in the van at the time that it was being fixed outnumbered the amount of teeth in the mouth of the mechanic who was fixing the van. I'll just put it <laughs> in, in that kind of a way. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was kind of scary in a new way for us, you know, just kind of being in that kind of situation where we were the ones who had the pretty mouth. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But, uh, so we tried to make it out to Pittsburgh, failed. We played the rest of the shows on the tour. Um, uh, unfortunately, we came back with uh, quite, a, quite a bit of debt out of that uh, uh, van breakdown. So we're kind of uh, back in our caves, licking our wounds at the, at the moment and, and trying to... Uh, uh, bring our gold reserves back up before we venture out another another tour. But there's there's already plans about. Uh, we've actually been in talk with uh, uh, with Death Dealer, who uh, Ross the Boss is in that band, yep. um, and uh, and of course Joe Stump, the legendary shredder. We're we're in talks with those guys about possibly doing another uh, tour, kind of uh, you know kind of similar uh, to what we were doing this time, um, and um, and doing that hopefully pretty soon. There's some talks about going, doing like a little southern stint um, in January because it's, it gets very, very cold uh, in Madison during the during the winter, and uh, you know, true barbarians never wear any armor, or I mean, or, sorry, true barbarians ne- never wear any underwear under their armor is what I meant to say, and so you know, it, it can cause problems with uh, frostbite and things like that. So we chafing. thought, hey, go- yeah, ch- chafing, chafing is such a problem. Ugh. Man, if I had a nickel. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, we're, we're planning on, on hopefully going, you know, going south uh, for, for a little bit, um, maybe a weekend or two, doing a couple little mini tours down south. But uh, we'd like to do something again next uh, next spring, next summer, uh, something a little a little longer, a little bit more major, maybe hit up more of the East Coast. So nice. Now, would that be all three acts, like Joe Stump, um, you guys, and Death Dealer? I hope so. Oh, that would be really, that would be fantastic. Um, there's also been some talk uh, with 
with our our our, our legions of, of demon managers and lawyers and publicity people uh, that uh, you know we may do um, possibly a Mexico tour and and there's there's very early inklings of going uh, and doing a Germany tour with Death Dealer so there's you know there, nice. it could, could be something like that in the works I don't want to give away too much uh, but you know. It would be. It would be definitely. Definitely would be nice uh, to get over there and, and to meet some of the people. That'd be a phenomenal bill. Uh, mm-hmm. That would just be a phenomenal bill to see. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about the music here. So, <clears throat> what's the um, what's 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 the writing process like for you guys? Because these are not just like cookie cutter songs. Like there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of you know arranging for the guitar sounds for the drum sounds. Your your vocal vocals are you know not just you know phoned in. I mean there there's a lot going on here. So what what's this like for you guys? Do you all have to sit down together? Do you do you kind of bring parts together and then watch it gel? Like t- talk to us about this. Yeah, well, so usually what happens, you know, um, Asian Metal and Kilius Maximus in in our uh, in our practice space down in the Mohorovic discontinuity um, down here. Uh, this is actually where I'm speaking to you right now and man try to get a wireless signal in this place is horrible but uh anyway they 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 have their own little you know uh areas where they you you know call it a dormitory or whatever where they kind of sleep and eat and whatnot and they're in there you know practicing guitar for you know 23.99 hours of the day essentially uh just wailing the whole time we've we've you know soundproofed the place multiple times over just to prevent earthquakes more or less uh and and you know they'll all of this noodling. Eventually, they'll come up with something that they'll want to show the rest of the band. Usually, what happens is they they come up with an idea, uh, and then they'll show they'll get together and they'll show either one another or they'll show me uh, or or all three of us. Uh, and then it's kind of one of those you know what does this sound like kind of games. So you know, geez, does this sound like you know the last uh, screams of a, uh, of a of a barbarian dying? Does this sound like you know a, a dragon? hoarding gold like what does this sound like you know what comes to mind when you hear this exact tune and then you know we'll, we'll start to kind of build lyrical content off of that i'm usually the one who writes most of the lyrics but you know sometimes asian metal comes up with some you know some idea like for instance he uh he recently came up came up with this uh pretty awesome riff and he's like you know what this sounds like to me this sounds like uh racing souped up streetcars through tokyo at night and i'm like yeah you know that's that is true. So we're we're in the process of writing writing that song and kind of doing that lyrically. Um, once we have you know the general ideas, uh, we usually do like a little scratch recording and then we bring it to the rest of the guys um, to put some bass and drums behind. Uh, and then essentially we'll just jam on it, jam on it until we get something good, something all together. Uh, and then uh, and then you know once we have enough of those, we'll go into the studio and record them. Nice. Now. Plan of Attack was was just like a four song EP. Or do you have plans now for like another, like a, a more of a full length album? Or well, so what we wanted to do, or at least here's this is what what I wanted to do essentially. Um, we th- this Plan of Attack was the first time that we had actually dealt with producers. You know, the the first two albums we did all of our we did all the recording ourselves, all the mixing ourselves. Um, we did it down here, you know, down here in our in our practice space. Uh, and and it was you know other than a few uh, locally enslaved demons uh, to to run the board while we were recording and stuff like that uh, you know that was we pretty much did everything 
DIY because I mean you can train demons up to a point. They're like dogs, you know. You can train them up to the po- up to a point. But you can't tell them like, oh, you know, take two K off of my off, off of the high end of my guitar. It's like no, they don't know how to do that. They'll just like bite the knobs. That's all they know how to do, really. So so you know we we did a lot of the the recording process ourselves, and and then we got involved with a couple producers. Uh, one of them was named Martin Atkins, uh, who some people may know. Uh, as he was a, a drummer for Nine Inch Nails, he also drummed for uh, Ministry, Killing Joke, Pig Face, a bunch of industrial bands. Um, he's this crazy British guy with like poofed up white hair, and and he talks like this, and and Fang, your band is horrible, and everything is terrible. Everything you do, touch it, just everything you touch is, just turns to shit in front of me. It's just the worst, worst thing in the world, you know. And so he's he's a really a hoot to be around. He's a great morale booster. Um, and uh, and then the other producer uh, was this guy Doug Olson, yeah. who worked he worked with uh, very closely with Butch Vig on um, uh, on Nirvana's Nevermind album. Uh, he's worked with Smashing Pumpkins, Cheap Trick, um, uh, gosh, who else? Just a bunch of like bands that everyone's heard of. Uh, and and so essentially, Martin and I sat down, and and he was like, "Okay, Fang, here's what you want to do." Uh, 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 you know, the CD is dead as a medium. Uh, uh, free is the new black, and Monday is the new Sunday. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm like, no, I never understand what you're saying, Martin. It's, it's that accent. I just can't get through it. He's like, all right, what I want you to do is I want you to record uh, like like four EPs, and we'll space them out like six months at a time. So then you have like two years worth of material, and, and, and I'm a genius. Give me all your money. And, and so you know, that was the original plan. Uh, was to space, you know, to make a bunch of EPs and to have them come out maybe every four months or every six months and do, you know, a couple EPs of four songs. Well, we did this first EP, and man, I mean, we threw everything at this in terms of the, re- the recording, the engineering, the production. Uh, it was it was incredible to to just work with somebody, you know, Doug Olson, to work with a producer and an engineer who just knew what he was doing, you know, just just instantly. Uh, how to make us sound to the to the best of our abilities, and you know he actually had this was this this is one of the things that impressed me the most. He actually had um, uh, steel steel plated mics that wouldn't melt when you put them in front of our our amps to record. Because man, let me tell you, we went through like probably seventy or eighty different mics. Uh, in the process of recording the last two albums, because they would you just put them in, you know, you put them in front of the amp, you get through maybe a half a song, and then they're a puddle on the floor. It's just it's just a terrible kind of kind of process. But this guy had already had it covered, so um, so yeah, it was just a, a joy to work with him. We got done with this, and and we released it. You know, we got we got a really kick-ass artist from Greece to do the cover, um, and and I think the guys, you know, the, the rest of the guys in the band um, really didn't feel like an EP was tangible enough. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. we had we had like a C, big 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 CD release party. You know, all the maidens, you know, come all maidens, you know, fathers lock up your daughters, daughters lock up your mothers, mothers lock up your grandmas for some reason. Um that kind of a that kind of a release party. Yeah. Uh and 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 the guys just didn't feel like an EP warranted that kind of um that kind of, of a response, you know what I mean? So, so they they didn't they they feel like an album is maybe more of a tangible um, production of like uh, of a statement rather than an EP. So, uh, 
even though I still think EPs are kind of the way to go, and and Martin has been yelling at us incoherently in his English English accent for the, like the past you know four or five months, yeah. um, I think this next one we're gonna do uh, a, a full album. Um, now I I doubt we're gonna do as long of a, of an album as Chains on Fire, which was our album previous to this. That was like that was like fourteen that was like thirteen or fourteen songs. That was like a long album. We we had to we had to call up Memorex and we're like, yo, CEO of Memorex, can you make a brand new C D type that actually can fit, you know, fourteen uh like classic metal, traditional metal songs on it. Because, you know, they're like five five, six minutes a piece. And the guy's like, I'll see what I can do. And they came they came up with a brand new type of C D in their labs just to fit all this amazing uh, metal onto there, and and obviously not to melt when you played it too. That was that was the, the biggest hurdle. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't think we're going to be doing anything that long with this new uh, with this new release once we once we get it all recorded. I'm th- I'm thinking like we'll probably cap it at probably nine songs. But it's still you know compared to your standard pop album, which with which has three minute songs. I mean, still uh, that's a pretty good runtime. You're still getting a, a lot of bang for your from for your buck with nine songs if they're like five minute songs. I think. Well, I was just going to point out that Planet of Attack at four songs is 22 minutes long, and for our metal fans out there in the audience, that's only seven minutes shy of Slayer's Rain and Blood. There you go. So you're getting a lot a, a lot of content for the money here. And, and again, like I pointed out at the top of the show here, these are not fluff songs. Like, there's there's a lot that goes into it here. There's a, there's a lot of melody, a lot of harmony. Like, you guys really craft a tune. Yeah, we don't, we don't like to write crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. That's usually not our mo. Is you know, we don't usually just like eh, eh, four chords. Uh, let's see, love, dove, glove. Got it. All right, done. Next song. That's not usually what we do. You know, we usually put yeah. a little bit more thought into it. Oh man. All right. So it it's the month of October, one of my favorite months of, of the entire year because I love Halloween. And I see here that on um, October twenty fifth, you guys are doing a Judas Priest Halloween show with a full Judas Priest cover set. Yes. So can you yes. tell us more about that? Absolutely. Well. Uh, in in here in our in our hometown of Madison, uh, we have a, a kind of a tradition uh, with a with a local uh, music newspaper uh, called Maximum Inc. They put on a Halloween show uh, every Halloween where the, the the bands that are from the area get together and they go as another band. And usually the the uh, you know the instructions are go as a band that that everybody knows. So we started doing this a couple, three years ago. Um, I guess this will be our third year, so technically two years ago. But uh, the first year, uh, of course, we went as Iron Maiden, um, and that was incredibly fun. Uh, the second year, we uh, so last year, we went as Dio, uh, and that was also nice. just just a blast, yeah. just incredibly, incredibly fun. Um, actually, the uh, one of the other uh, venue owners here in town. Um, is is the biggest fan of Dio that I have ever really I've ever really met besides me and uh, and she begged and pleaded for us to, to to play New Year's Eve as Dio which is not usually like the you know we didn't we weren't able to throw in Old Lang Syne uh, in 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 Dio format unfortunately but you know so that that's how big of a fan she was she wanted us to do Dio for New Year's Eve so wow. we had fun we had fun with that and so then this year you know we said well okay well, we did Iron Maiden we did Dio who's next and I think the obvious answer was Judas Priest um, so I'm probably going to have to shave my head 
and I've been I've been like standing in the mirror and just like just wincing as hard as I can to grow uh, a goatee out. Um, <laughs> you know, just like oh, grow, grow, damn it! You know, just just standing in there and just you know just willing a beard to grow, which is the only true way a barbarian grows any hair on his face, really, just by sheer will. Um, so uh, yeah, so and and then we're, we've got the Judas Priest cover set uh, all together. Um, we're just about done polishing it up. We're very, very excited to be playing it. And, and you know, those the, the songs that we play once a year, you know, as another band, tend to make it into our um, into our sets as kind of like a special song. You know, we usually do like a special cover. So we've we've been doing um, I don't know, Hallowed Be Thy Name, The Trooper. We've been doing um, uh, we've been doing Heaven and Hell. That's one of my favorites to do from nice. DS. Uh, and I guess you know technically Black Sabbath, but you know it's like six of one, half a dozen the other. It's like who you know which which one do you really call it? Heaven exactly. and Hell by Heaven and Hell. I don't know, but and so um, I'm really enjoying a lot of the the Jews Priest stuff. Um, we're we're of course doing uh, you know pretty much the, the stuff you'd, you'd expect. Uh, Hellbent for leather and screaming for vengeance and, uh, and 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 all that sort of stuff. We're doing uh, kind of uh, beyond the realms of death, which some people consider. It, I guess a, a deeper cut than the standard, you know, stuff that you always know Judas Priest for, like another thing coming and uh, and breaking the law. Um, but you know, we're having we're having a lot of fun with it, and I am currently trying to find um, a way to drive a motorcycle up onto the stage uh, of the place that we're uh, that we're playing at. Uh, although the stage I don't think is big enough for a motorcycle, so I'm probably going to forcefully renovate the. Um, the the venue that night without telling anyone that would be priceless yeah absolutely i've got enough dynamite in this band to like forcefully renovate quite a few venues so we we, we can make it happen (laughs) all right so fang i want to thank you for coming on the show thanks for taking the time tonight and i cannot wait till you bring the barbarian hordes back through the pittsburgh area oh yes absolutely all right i want to thank uh three doors down and lords of the trident i've come on the show again i i my apologies, I mispronounced the band name. It's Lords of the Trident. Uh, you can find their website at lordsofthetrident.com. Three doors down, obviously, they're uh, easy to find. Going to be coming through Pittsburgh very soon. I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to us. If you enjoyed the show, there are 227 previous episodes you can check out at ironcityrocks.com or on Facebook, um, Twitter. YouTube, etc. Also, invite you to check out our sister podcast, HeavyMetalBookClub.com, uh, where we interview some great artists, uh, musicians, authors of, of music-related books. Um, having the opportunity right now to go through a really cool new book uh, on the Almond Brothers, and um, it's going to be out very soon. It's called Wasted Words. Uh, the author of the book uh, has got a Pittsburgh connection, so hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to him very, very soon about that cool book. So if you're a fan of uh, any kind of rock and metal uh, literature, you like to read the books, the bios, the tell-alls, and all that stuff, so check out heavymetalbookclub.com. And also visit castironring.com, our union of metal and rock-related podcasts that we belong to with some of our good friends, uh, some of the hosts on this show, as well as other uh, podcasts around the world so check that out castironring.com heavymetalbook.com and of course ironcityrocks.com till next time thank you for listening